On today's episode of Soul Zero Two, we're going to be talking about six signs of genuine revival on Soul Zero Two. And welcome to Souls Road 2. So glad to be with you today. And this is the podcast that is seeking to put back the oxygen into the Christian life one soul at a time. And we've been talking about revival, you know, uh, in our culture so much. And today we're talking about what is re genuine revival. And here are six signs. And uh, in our in our culture, there has been so much going on. Revival has been a big issue in the news, especially these days. And universities like Asbury, Cedarville, Sanford, and others are experiencing revival. And they have brought revival to the forefront of social consciousness. Again, after how many years, maybe the last revival happened. And with it come, come the ultra-crepidarians. Those are people who give advice or knowledge outside of their expertise. There are also detractors, cynics, politicizers, and revival groupies. All these tend to muddle the perception of what true revival is and does. So what is revival and how do you know it's really happening? First, what revival is not. Usually revival is not what the news says it is or the way the news defines it. Because throughout history, the news media has had a love-hate relationship with, with revivals because it touches on social issues and human behavior. Some progressive Christians accuse revival groups of marginalizing certain identities. So it's not just without the church, but also within the church there are problems with, with revival. One Christian magazine defined it as waiting for the wind of God, which whatever that means. Uh, someone who touted their PhD dismissed any type of so-called revival as impossible because only God in His sovereignty can bring it. So what is revival? Revival perhaps can be defined in in this way, and and I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna just kind of um, um, be giving definitions, but also you know the marks of revival. But what is revival? Revival is this. Revival is to cause to live. It, that's what it literally means to cause to live or to restore to life. So, in in a way, re re revival is a, is a humbling thing because it is assuming that the person who receives revival is dead. So it's very humbling when you're revived by God. And revival is not something defined by emotionalism or odd behavior, even though these can exist in revivals, because revival basically helps broken people and people who have lost their way. So what better place for broken people and odd people and strange people to be than, than in God's presence? Because only God can heal us, so only God can fix us. But we find that what defines revival in its essence is personal and societal transformation. That's how you know re revival is really happening. Things are transformed, things are changed, it's more than a feeling. And there's been controversies through history on what revival is, from Jonathan Edwards to Charles Finney. Uh, the idea, and these were two real big hitters of revival in the 17 and 1800s, but the idea of revival they saw as totally different. For instance, Jonathan, Jonathan Edwards saw revival as strictly a sovereign move of God, while Charles Finney, who was very influenced by the Enlightenment, viewed revival as something that people partnering with God must initiate, that there's human responsibility in it. And I'm not here to talk about that today because I'm sure that the truth is somewhere in the middle. When God sovereignly moves, it tends to be in places where people have been already praying and seeking Him. That said, I want to give you six signs of genuine revival. So, what is revival? 
or how do you know it's it's really happening? The first one is this, God is clearly behind it. Revival cannot be planned or advertised. You can't market for revival. We see this every year. Places, you know, tent revival, tent, tent, you know, revival signs, all these things. You can't plan a revival. There, there is definitely a sovereign thing behind it, where God shows up and you weren't exactly expecting Him. Revival is not an event or tent meeting where the preacher says we're going to have revival, and people begin singing revival songs. These are better called special meetings than revival. This is why one of the revivals happening in one of the, in one of the colleges, uh, the uh, the president I think he he called it more of an awakening, which I think is more accurate, because revival is so sovereign and so powerful that it changes the whole community, and so revival is is proven by the fact that God is behind it, and revival is when God shows up, and often unexpected, and something powerful tr begins to transform the atmosphere. But here's number two. Number two is this, the heart is profoundly awakened. And I have scriptures next to those, you can look them up if you'd like, but all genuine revivals have a few outcomes that, that are naturally coming out of the revival. One of the very first ones is conviction. Conviction of what? Conviction of sin. This is something that is not very popular in some circles today, but there is something called sin. And that's where the Holy Spirit convicts the heart of sin and then he shows us Christ, and then we, we, we go to Christ, and we flee to Christ and make it right, and we become renewed in Him. It also has repentance. People see their sins for what they are and turn away from their sins. And as Charles Finney once said, they change their opinion about the sins. It's not just saying, I'm sorry, but they see it as awful and disgusting now. They see it for what it is because they now have a revelation of God, and they see the purity of, of evil that they've been involved in. But also there's there's also surrender in revivals, a total unequivocal giving up of the soul and life to God. Um, I've been to probably two revivals in my lifetime, and and I you know one of them was kind of like I, I just had questions about, but the other one was every night I saw souls come to Christ. Every night I saw people giving up sins, saying I've been living a lie as a Christian. I've been doing this or that, and so there's always a surrender in revivals. Revivals assume one thing that the recipient is dead. Leonard Ravenhill once said, in revival, God is not concerned about filling empty churches. He is concerned about filling empty hearts. But here's number three about revival. Number three is, there is a recommitment to holy living. The person who was awakened spiritually sees the areas in their life where they have compromised. They might be also stricken by the fact that maybe they never even knew God, maybe they were just religious. Others have been religious and faithful, but empty and dead spiritually, and maybe their life has become a life of compromise. Yet others have been awakened to the fact that their Christianity was shallow, legalistic, and self-centered. And this kind of holiness is not, in the end, is not legalistic that God is after. Holiness is not based on control or some kind of external rules that God is saying, I want you to toe the line now. This holiness is one that spontaneously flows out of a new revelation of God, and that it's almost like planting planting a seed, and the seed naturally grows, and the person doesn't have to be told what's good or bad. They know it because they've seen God. But here's number four. Now, I'm trying to run through these because I want to keep this short today, but number four is society is transformed. While some revivals through history have become inward and self-centered, uh, 
a good deal of them had a harvest of souls that changed the community around them. And this is true revival. When, when revival is just us four no more, that's nothing more than spiritual navel-gazing. Did you know that the Welsh Revival occurred in Wales from 1904 to 1905, one year, but it was probably one of those most powerful years for Christianity the world has ever known. It was led by a Welsh minister named Evan Roberts, and it is considered one of the most significant revivals in Christian history. The revival started in a small town called Lagor and quickly spread through Wales, leading to thousands of people converting to Christ and attending church services. During the Welsh Revival, many people experienced powerful, powerful experiences such as repentance, conversion, and even healings. Churches were filled to capacity, and services often lasted for hours as people prayed, they sang hymns, and they shared testimonies. The Revival also had a significant impact on Welsh society, leading to social reforms and a decrease in crime. That's Revival. And, but here's, here's number five. Revivals, they 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 always tend to threaten. Let me let me word it this way: they threaten to become messy. They always threaten to become messy. Revivals tend to become messy. That is why they must be stewarded. They must be pastored. And often critics of revivals say, "Well, see, that's not revival because there's weird things happening." You know, when you read about some of the revivals in the at the turn of the century, 1900s, people shook they they laughed they screamed they, they did all kinds of weird things that seemed odd to the people watching and modern revivals among pentecostals and charismatics faith traditions exhibited such behaviors but for the most part were stewarded by those leading them some of them weren't but some of them were and often revival is messy that that's a fact why because people are imperfect people do dumb things but we must not we must be careful we don't step on what god is doing but in the end revivals are not about the manifestations that happen you know the the physical things that happen that may be odd as much as they're about the hearts that are being reclaimed and transformed for god i'm going to give you one more before we close today about genuine revival it is this a renewed mandate to reach the world that's what genuine revival is supposed to produce that's what it does produce and a true revival always ends up with a missions mandate in other words this visitation from god is not just for our consuming pleasure it is so that the church can become refired so that they can reach the world that's the whole point it's not even to grow the church it's to reach the world growing the church will be a natural byproduct now let me say this in closing today some revival historians have observed a cycle of revival movements where they began with revival then the revival became a movement and then the movement became became a an organization and then the organization then became a museum because it stagnated and then the cycle of awakening begins again and they say that that denominations i heard someone this quote somewhere this stat that denominations tend to last no more than 100 years where where they they become well organized and and efficient but they, they lose the, the the energy that birthed them it becomes something else it becomes this massive organization that is that is uh you know needs to be refired and repurposed
So I want to close with this thought that I want to challenge you that if you have experienced revival, keep going. You know, don't feel like you have to go far to find it. If you want a revival in your own life, get on your knees and begin seeking the Lord and say, God, reveal yourself to me. Show yourself to me. Change my community. Change my family. Change my church. And God can use you to be the spark that does it. So if you like this podcast, please leave a like. Recommend it to a friend and help us to build it by please subscribing to it. Check us out on YouTube and Facebook. And we're on Buzzsprout and Google and on uh, on any audio place you can get your podcast. So until next time, thanks so much. Great to be with you. God bless you.